Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Yes, lads, UFC fighter Jack Sawyer. You can catch me on the latest episode of Ace Podcast Nation. Make sure to give him a subscribe on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, looking forward to getting back on. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 76 and uh, tonight we will be uh, talking the latest MMA and boxing, plus of course last night's UFC Vegas and uh, we'll also be talking to a top name from the UK fight scene uh, and uh, touching on a few subjects. Uh, obviously there was no show last week, uh, I was involved in a car accident so I was unable to do the show but we are back. And uh, you can find this this show and all the other shows we do at Ace Podcast Nation. YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation for the videos. Or search Ace Podcast Nation on your favourite podcast or radio platform. And there's over 400 shows on various subjects. And uh, give us a follow on social media. And of course, if you want to just follow the Danny Batten Fight Show, it's at Danny Batten FS on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, there we go. But uh, joining me, as ever, after a week off, is the man himself. He is UK MMA legend, former Cage Warriors champion, Mr. Daniel Button. Welcome, buddy. How are you? 
Yeah, right, so, um, yeah, what a strange weekend last weekend was. I mean, obviously, it was strange for you for unfortunate reasons, but I missed you. It was weird, mate. It's like the first Sunday in, Lord, probably, well, what, 18 months or something that we yeah. haven't done a show. It was very strange, but it was just one of them, mate. I was in no fit state to be uh, sitting and talking. I'm a bit better now, still struggling a little bit, but uh, again, uh, getting there. Uh, and uh, we are joined tonight, and delighted to say, by Cage Warriors featherweight, Mr. Steve Amiable. How are you, mate? Very well, yourself? Talk a little bit about, um, about your career and, and how you got into MMA and, and such. But uh, before we do, let's say you've got a, a fight coming up on the, the next Cage Warriors trilogy. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So it's, uh, I'm scheduled for the Friday night on the 25th. Um, against the new signing that they've got from Finland called Edward Walls. Uh, he's 10 and ten and 5. Okay. Seems uh, so he's a, from, from what I've seen, he's a stand-up guy. Bit of a karate style, you know. Starts to hold his hand out to sort of feel the range and start in and out sort of thing. Quite explosive. But we've got a game plan in, uh, in place and tend to pretty much stick to the same plan every single fight and when we get the job done. I'm looking forward to get back in there since my injury. Yeah, I mean obviously you've had that um that injury. How's that how's that recovering now? Um yeah it's all right. I've only had one one sort of incident where I thought I'd rebroke it. Uh, just in just in sparring, I've been wrestling, everything, no no issues. And then I was just firing and um, another one of our guys just threw a strike and I sort of just blocked it. But he, uh, there's, there's, there's the scarf, really nicely, but he caught me right on the plate with this, um, just with a, I think it was an uppercut. And literally, my, my whole arm just went numb. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, oh, I thought he'd just like hit it. Um, shook it off. It was like the last round of sparring anyway, so carried on for like the last minute or so and then uh yeah gradually just got worse I and mean, driving home from Colchester like an hour drive where I lived and my arm was just getting worse and worse couldn't hold the steering wheel and then by the time I got home I couldn't even raise my arm and thought I'd you know retract it again or dislodge the plate or something so you know a little bit worried but sort of cut the painkillers a few hours later it started to ease off and since then I've had no no problems because obviously it's never going to be how it should be. Um, yeah. Just doing, doing what I can with it. It's not holding back. I'm not thinking about it during, during the fighting or sparring. Mm. It's one of the things, if it's going to break, it's going to break again, isn't it? It can't, it can't be helped. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like with um, those kind of serious injuries, uh, the, those breaks. And ironically, your last fight was against Tom Moons, one of Danny's fighters, who has had a similar thing. I suffered a really brutal injury and then it's difficult then, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's the fighting game. So fighters are going to, you know, they're going to test it out. They're going to want to see how you cope with it and how you yeah, how you react to taking strikes and stuff to it. Um, like, Danny, from your point of view as a coach, how do you deal with, like, you know, uh, someone coming back from, a, like, a serious break? Yeah, well, a lot of it's down to them because... I'm not having the injury myself. 
Um, I, I can get my best I can to try to help with rehabilitation and uh, you know to help them be sensible with their approach coming back in. Yeah, it's down to them. It's not a specialist. I think that's a good one. In terms of trying to get them into training, so I try to take my time to train sensible. So, Steve, like in terms of um, like how you recovered from your injury and stuff, how did your coaches help you out with that? Like through you know, like the rehab and then initially going back into training and stuff like that. Uh, to be fair, I sort of just deal with it all myself in a sense sort of thing. I took quite a while off, I think. Um, I think after the, what was the injury was like for December. And I think I had almost, might have been even like three months off. Mm. Been no nothing, just getting it done and then sort of, I think he got to about sort of eight or nine weeks out, and Jack was just like, "Are you, are you? Do you want to fight on this?" No, it's a lie. I said, that is a lie. I was, I was asked to fight um, the new signing, um, Harilla, Cage Warriors guy. Yeah. I was just been, obviously we turned it down because of, because of my arm, but would have liked that fight. Would have been a good fight. Um, obviously went on for a good win, stopping Aiden Stevens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we turned that one down and um, I still hadn't done no training on even coming up to that. And then like 10 weeks out and sort of was just like, yeah, I wanna, I'm want i ready to go in sort of June and just straight back to it. No, no sort of anything specific. I, I'd healed up and obviously back into the sparring and the wrestling and everything, just, just taking it easy. I'm very aware of it. Um, so, you know, taken down sort of I'm not posting that on my hand too much just in case it's always in the back of my head thinking about it but it's one of them just I tend to just sort of just get straight back to it mm. was there ever a time was there ever a time Steve when you thought that, that might have ended your career um when it first happened I did like and the nurse was just when I was in the A&E, she was like, oh, you're not going to be fighting again. And uh, you, you obviously just like, yeah, I will, don't worry about it. And then, um, you know, the wife is like, oh, you can't be doing this anymore because self-employed now running my own sort of eating business. And it's one of the things, bills are more important at the end of the day. And if, if I can't do the... You know, if I can't work because my fighting is, you know, messing me up, it's does play in the back of your mind. But I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I'll, I've, I've always said I'll, I'll finish when I'm not able to compete. Uh, I'm not just going to be someone sort of punch bag, and I'm still competing with the, you know, the best in the division. So there's not, nah, it crossed my mind for about a second, and that was it. Straight out the door, thinking about the next. Because mm. that, that's quite interesting with what you're saying. What? what? I, I presume your intentions are to head to UFC. That seems to be where everyone is. Um, yeah. You know, if you got that break, what, how would that work? Would you carry on your business? Everything in That's the thing. I've said this for a long time. If I, if I could afford to sort of commit a hundred percent to it, then I would. Um, who wouldn't want to, you know, 
do something they they love doing they're passionate about sort of as a job every day sort of thing not having to you know, worry about the bills but obviously if it did happen it would be you know i'd have you you got to give it 100 percent can you that opportunity may never have come around um, but i would still have to try and work it around my full-time job yeah sure so, it's kind of a decision in it. You sort of you put yourself in the you're sort of in the middle. Do you, do you follow? You know what you've been doing for sort of ten, twelve years. Um, finally, get that break, or do you sort of hold it off because you know your, your family sort of fingers. If, if you go one way, you're gonna you might regret it. And if you go the other way. And you might think of oh, ifs, and then you're sort of always going to be with men back in the back of the Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it's a weird thing, Steve. Last fight you fought, Tom. So before we move on, I did want to just get your thoughts on that fight. Obviously, as a fan, it was a fantastic fight to watch. But uh, just tell us a bit about what it was like as a fight. Yeah, um, so. Always knew it was going to be a good fight. Me and Tom have got um, history. We've we fought before in amateur days, and known him and his brother throughout the MMA sort of scene for since pretty much that I've been training. Um, and I always, you know, when I've been fighting for my pro career and Tom's been fighting, um, I've always thought to myself, you know, he's probably going to end up coming around again that we end up fighting each other. And um, he called me out once before, but. I was due for my title fight and then obviously after my couple of losses um, sort of just just made sense really Tom was on some losses I was on some losses knew it would be a good fight and you know it it turned out to be a good fight I, I, I said to Tom that I would have you know just for the fans and you know just for just for like even better fight for it to have gone a little bit longer but mm. you know I'm glad it didn't <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was. It, it had the potential to be, you know, like an even better fight than what it already was. So, yeah, yeah another another fighter which you fought uh, of Danny's, who is obviously now the current featherweight champion, is Jordan Vucenic. Uh, yeah, he's obviously been on the show a couple of times, friend of the channel. But like, I wanted to get your opinion on what you how like how you rate him as a fighter. Obviously, he's the current champion and stuff, but he's very highly rated in the MMA world, in MMA media. I just kind of, from, from a fighter's point of view, wondered what you thought of him. Um, before, sort of, we fought, didn't really, obviously, names flicking about a bit, but I'm not one to sort of, you know, follow other fighters. I'm sort of just mm. stick to my own sort of, thing and then just do what I need to do but um, you know good all round I didn't think I during the fight I didn't expect him to you know take me down to be fair um, and that's probably why I did it. I, I did allow the, the, the takedowns so, I mean I just weren't expecting it and uh, caught me off guard but no no disrespect to Jordan but I mm. I feel I, I lost that fight myself sort of thing I didn't I didn't feel feel I lost because he was, you know, better than me on the day than yes. But, um, you know, it was bloody razor close. It was so close. It was a very you close know. fight. 
different different judges on the night. You never you never know. It could have gone my way. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. But you know, it's it, good all round. His striking's good. His wrestling's good. Um, don't think we've seen much of his jiu-jitsu game at the moment um, through cage wars just because he hasn't needed to do it yet. But yeah. you know, so you can't argue he's he's come in. He's done what he's needed to do. Um, and fair play to him. Do you think, um, is that something which you've got your eyes on again at some point is the title, the featherweight title? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's, do you know what I mean? That's that's my division. Um, been there for a, a long time and I want to get back up there, you know, since that fight with Mads and those two like razor close losses, I feel that everyone's just sort of forgetting about me, Cage Warriors as well, sort of things like I'm just uh, their, their sort of feeder fighter for mm. all these new signings. Um, which you know pisses me off a bit. Um, Does that give you the the kind of the drive not, sort of thing? Yeah, the itch and the that like you said there, it pisses you off. Like for me, yeah. if I like, I'm just looking at it from the outside, obviously, and for what you've just said. But like, if I'm pissed, if I'm in your situation and I'm feeling a bit pissed off, dare I say, like a little bit disrespected, that's gonna drive me to make a point. Do you know what I mean? Like the next yeah. next fight, do you feel like? you'd like to go in there and kind of really make a point? Yeah. It, it's not a point. It's not as if making a point to, to cage warriors or sort of things like that, but it's just more of a reminder. Show that I'm, I'm still relevant sort of thing. Don't over, don't start o- overlooking me because I've had, you know, those two losses on the bounce. Um, do you know what I mean? All, all these new guys that come up and they're, Everyone's like, oh, they're the you know next best thing, or oh, they're this, they're that, they're this and that, and you know they haven't they haven't done anything yet. It's just sort of all previous fights. They haven't sort of done anything in cage wars or anything that's really sort of wow. Um, mm. And then you have got myself sort of things been in there a while. I had my, my win streak, fought Mads. Do you know what I mean? All this lot, and then sort of two, you know, two super close losses and it's like you're, you're thrown back to the bottom of the pile yeah. it's just like what you got to do do you know what I mean um, mm. so <laughs> it's a it, yeah it's a it's a doggy dog yeah, it, business yeah, you know I mean? and it's, I think it's a business at the end of the day isn't it it's difficult we had a question sent in from um, Gaz for both you guys and I'd be interested in the answer because obviously two different generations in terms of fighting but I'd be interested so Danny I'm going to throw it to you first uh, he says in your opinion who is the greatest all round fighter who's ever fought in Cage Warriors as a regular uh, other than myself um... no you can include yourself mate. <laughs> if you truly believe that you are the best you can have yourself in there mate yeah but um, I think well all round fighter it's really that's a really hard one to answer to be honest because in the modern arena there's so many very well-rounded individuals and so so hard to pick one over any other in the modern day but you know so i'm really going to answer it on a bit of a retro way i I think it's one of the first people who are really well-rounded who is a big impact on cage war is probably a guy called martin kempman i think i'm pronouncing his name right um I think he's a Swedish guy. He went on to UFC. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I would say he's one of the first ones that really showed that he can, you know, strike at world class, can, can wrestle it up good time, and, and had good jujitsu skills. Um, but there, that's 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 a really hard one to answer in the modern day world. Um, so many world complete guys. Um, I, I, I would want to stick to my own and say Jordan. Um, yeah. And and Steve's right. Jordan's not really got to express his grappling, and all I can say is he can grapple, and. Mm. and He's just been so efficient on his feet and in his anti-wrestling and scrambling back up to his feet that he's not got to express that. <clears throat> but there will be times when he's going to put it to the ground and keep it to the ground just because that strategy and that tactic suits that situation. You will see his ground at some at some stage. But I see it as this. You you start MMA on the feet, so you want to make sure you're really, really proficient and good there. And Jordan's certainly that. The next thing is if you're getting outplayed on the feet, you want to be able to steer this fight into another arena, either up against the cage or down on the mat. You've got to be able to get it there. And likewise, if you're winning on the feet, you'll need to avoid the ground because you know full well if you're up against a, a, a good opponent with a good team, they'll be strategizing to get you down in the following rounds. Yeah, um, sure. He's got everything in place to address every situation. So, you know, of course, I'm, I'm going to be steering a little bit biased on that. Anyone? Uh, is there anyone else who you'd have up there in terms of complete fighters that springs to mind off the top of your head? Is that um, to me? Or just, yeah, yeah. Just I see. just wondered if there was any, uh, any, if you had any more other than the two that uh, sprung to mind, mate. Really, like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we could just go. I mean, Paul Hughes. You know, again, I'm, I'm picking on the the, the featherweight divisions here because it's relevant to to see. Ever. I think Paul Hughes is extremely complete. He, he showed very very strong grappling prowess, great wrestling, counter-wrestling, and, and, and attacking wrestling, and he can strike some as well. I mean, he truly is uh, an incredible athlete at such a young age, and someone that's got massive future, um, regardless of what what's happened in the past uh, mm. between him and Jordan. Another one that's just so, so talented and, and all well-rounded. Yeah, 100%, mate. I think, um, like, uh, for me... Paddy Pimblett's got to be in there within the, in the conversation for the most all-round, uh, one of the best all-round fighters that's been in Cage Warriors. Like we've talked about in recent days, mate, uh, in recent shows, like he hasn't really got many holes in his game. Like, so I think he'd be in the conversation. Um, Jordan, yeah, I could see Jordan. It's difficult with Jordan because, like you said, he hasn't shown or hasn't been hasn't needed to show certain skills. So to rate him as one of the best all-round fighters that's been in Cage Warriors, I find that difficult as much as I would like to because I like him a lot. But what about you, Steve? Like, who, who what sort of names would spring to mind um, for you? Jack Shaw. Yes, that's a that's a good shout. Yeah, guys. I think that's a um, good shout. you know, he's just, just complete all-round, isn't he? Just uh. Every time he's in there, sort of thing, just got he just made everything just everything looked easy for him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. Just um, he, he's almost got the opposite problem of Jordan, though. He just got people down so easy. We never really got to yeah. see his striking, did we? But yeah, what we see now in UFC, he can he can strike, and we know he can strike. Yeah. But you know, we don't get to showcase that as much as the other skill sets he's got because he's just so no, proficient of steering it where he wants to put it. That's the thing. It's everyone who's so good now is like it's just fine margins between every, it could just be like a little slip on the floor or a slip on your feet and you know you've lost that round because you know 
someone's taking you down for three and a half minutes controlled there's just everyone's just so right wrote so well rounded it's just such a a chess game which can lead to boring fights um mm. or it, it can just be you know just classic but uh, agreeing with Danny like Paul Hughes you know just um yeah. just you know well rounded again um you know, since that, since his finish, I think Marbim is his first fight in Cage Warriors. Obviously, got that head kick finish, and uh, obviously, he hasn't managed to get any finishes since then. And uh, coming off that loss against Jordan, um, again, another razor close fight. Um, just, just so many people up there that you could say are like Danny said, um, this person and that person, but. Again, it's it's hard to it is hard to pick one. It's hard to split people, isn't it? Be fair. And I think, particularly in the modern day, um, everyone has got like this superb all round game. Whereas Danny, I'm sure you'd agree. Like back in your day, there was a lot of fighters who were exceptional strikers or exceptional grapplers or exceptional wrestlers, but they maybe weren't as good in other areas. Whereas now. Most fighters are good at everything. They might be more proficient at something, but they're generally good at everything. And like you said there, Steve, about a slip and you can lose the round. But I think yeah. if you think back to the um, the show before the first lockdown that Cage Warriors did when um, Mason won, his, won the title and um, Paddy Pimblett fought, so I forget who it was, but that person, I think... He like made a really, really slight error, and uh, Paddy had kind of mounted him and submitted him in sort of fifteen seconds. And yeah. I think that's what you're talking about with the very top level of the various divisions in Cage Warriors. Like we've discussed on recent shows, Steve, like that Cage Warriors, in our opinion, is almost like the second best promotion in the world. Certainly, yeah. you know, but it's not even just a European thing now because. The level is so high that, like, yeah, these guys who were going from Cage Warriors into the UFC, you're looking at them and you're thinking, if they put them in with ranked fighters like a Jack Shaw or a Paddy Pimblett or whoever it may be, you, you, you're thinking they can go and do something in the UFC. Um, I think yep. that level is so high with you guys now that it's um, you make it a slight error and you can be never mind losing a round. You you could be knocked out, submitted, or whatever in. 30 seconds yeah and um, just say like you're at the top of the division you have your you know a top fight you lose that fight and having that one loss trying to get back to that same position can be so hard because it's not as if you're just stepping back in at you know being the best one one fight and you're back at the title shot you're stepping back you're stepping back in there against you know, a, a complete row of guys, you know, that are one step ahead of you now, um, like up the ladder, and it could take you four or five fights to get back to where you were. It's not as if you're just one fight and you're back to where you was. It, it, it can be, you know, it can take years off your, your career where you were, sort of thing, just because it's so hard to get back. Yeah, it's like a death row of, uh, of fighters, yeah. cage warriors. You're right. And, and like you say, yeah, if you get that, like whether it be a title shot or like a number one contender shot or whatever, if you lose it, 
yeah, you are. You're right. You're sort of there's at least three or four guys. Then you've got to go through to just get back to the level that you were at before, which is incredible for you know for fans and things. But it just makes it a very cutthroat division and, and, and company. That that's what we want. We're not there to you know. Yeah, you don't want to pad your fight record, do you? You'd rather have proper fights. We we want to fight. You know top fighters and the top fighters you want to you want to test yourself you want to be the best um so it it is good and it's bad you know what i mean absolutely yeah um so i one thing i wanted to talk about steve is um your start in mma and martial arts like how old were you when you started to go down that route one when i started yeah wow good video um Become up thirteen years now. I've been doing this. See I think, yeah, nine years in November. I've been pro, something like that. Who was um, who were the early influences on you in terms of when it went from maybe like when you started to look in towards turning pro? Who were the guys who kind of influenced you and helped you along and on your journey and progressing? Um. Like it was sort of the Matthews and sort of you know all those type of guys back in the day. Then that really got me like excited and wanted to give it a go. Mm. Um, and then when getting in there, just I, I wasn't. I've never been one to sort of follow, you know, watch watch other fighters and like, oh, I want to be like them. So it, it, that is a hard question for me. I'm sort of self self-driven sort of thing yeah. I'll if, if I do if I sort of try something I I just sort of dedicate myself to it and just try and be you know as, as good as I can so it's, it is hard to sort of name a name a fighter that I thought oh yeah I really like them I want to do it mm. I, I just liked like watching it in, in general no one really stuck out stuck but up. what about yeah. what about like influences on you personally as you went as you did turn sort of from amateur to pro um, yeah. like whether it be coaches or just friends or whoever it may be was there people who were sort of really advising you and helping you on that journey or again was it more like self-driven with a bit um, of help again mainly self-driven but I my, my first coach like that got me into into the fighting um, just just you know, just pushing me. Oh, you, you can do it. You, you know, you can. You're going to go far, sort of thing. Just giving me that that self confidence. Mm. Um, Ashley Wynn, his name was. Um, just yeah, mainly self driven. Just uh, once I've got a, a thing in my head, sort of thing. That's it. I'm I'm so stubborn. I just I just <laughs> go for it, sort of thing. It's, yeah. it's good and it's bad, um, but. Yeah, just that's one of them things for me. Sounds just, um, sorry, mate. Sounds like you. No, sounds like you're quite like uh, quite an independent person and quite self, yeah, very self motivated. Is that in all aspects of your life, or is that more like a yeah. fighting thing? Yeah, all all aspects of my life. To be fair, my wife hates it. She really, <laughs> really, really does. Um, but yeah, all aspects of my life. Like when I first found out. We were, we were having our first child sort of thing. I was working away all the time. And then I was just like, right, I'm quitting my job. 
I'm doing a gas course, and that was it. <laughs> and no, yeah, just quit my job. Wife's like five, six months pregnant. Um, yeah, no Big money steps. coming in the no money coming in the house, and you're like, you start to question yourself. Well, have you done the right thing? But you know, it's eight, two years on. It's, it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, I wish I'd done it sooner. So yeah, self-driven every every aspect of my life. Don't like being told anything. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> what um, was your favourite part of fighting? Whether it be like the striking, the wrestling, or like what? What do you love to get stuck into the most on like a um, daily basis or whatever? Yeah, I, I, I do love I do love to stand up and sort of the, the wrestling side. I've never really been a ground guy, um, not because I can't or anything like that. Just just love to. Strike and wrestle, really. It's just getting getting punched in the face. It, it it gets you going, sort of thing. That's that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's no, it's just no better, no better feeling, and and just just competing for me. Just, but yeah, I'm I'm all, pretty much just the stand up and the wrestling. Up. That's always been me, really. That's always been my go to. Mm. Um, and the jujitsu, if I've needed to, but I've never really needed to, to be fair. What about um, like training during COVID? Was that difficult, or, or was it not too bad because you were recovering from an injury? Yeah, it was. It, it was difficult in the fact, obviously, we had to same with everyone, just try and work around it. We um, just set up mats in Jack's back garden. Sort of in a, in a gazebo, just training there in, in the mornings, um, in the evening sometimes. Just just mainly self training, you know, mm. just keeping you going, and then getting in as just as much as you can. I didn't really do too much over the lockdown, although I I fought in all three of the the lockdown shows. I believe the first three. Um, in between the fights, so I was sort of just laying off, spending time with the family, and then when you find when I'm finding out there's another show coming up, that's when I sort of get motivated, get going again. Yeah, um, I am, I've always been a little bit lazy between shows, uh, between fight camps, but it's worked so far. So just keep it going. It has indeed. Like, and Danny, like, is one of the my favorite one. Say one of my favorite things, but I am always interested in hearing the different guests we've had on uh just talk about like how they got around not around but like how they dealt with the covid restrictions and how they were able to still train and we still haven't had one fighter yet say well i couldn't train so i didn't they all found a way to do something and do it you know do as much as they could and i think that's testament to why the level is so high in the uk is because the fighters are so dedicated but it is it's interesting, isn't it, to hear different people's experiences from that period because, you know, it's a difficult and unprecedented thing as well. Yeah, these young men, they they want it, you know, at the end of the day. They want to be successful in the sport that they're dedicating to. So, you know, it holds no surprises for me that they're finding ways to still train and keep fit. And, you know, like Steve said, that he's very self-motivated anyway as an individual. Um, I think this is something that was quite strong with myself during my fight career, you know, choosing to go out and run on a cold 
winter's morning when it's raining um you know to keep the weight off and, and obviously to continue to maintain fitness etc um you know where there's a will there's a way there's no other stronger adage really you, you you've got to you've got to keep going it's the survival of the fittest and that was a real hard time and unprecedented time for many but most found a way around it the, the ones that want to want to succeed the most they find a way simple as that really 100 mate um so steve what i want to do now is it's basically like a you got to i'm going to say five fighters and i want you to say the first word that comes to mind when I say their name, whatever it may be. Um, no swearing. No, you can swear no, all you want, man. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Um, I'm going to have to stuff like this. No, you can yeah. just I literally... He's putting you on the spot here. No, on the spot. Just, it's like those quick fire questions we've done before, Dan. It's just... Uh, I'm going to do it to Danny now as well, so don't worry about it. Um, oh. So, it's just... Just the first word that comes to mind, mate. Doesn't have to be, you know, anything. Be whatever you want. Um, so, first name, Jake Paul. <laughs> Joker. <laughs> Joker, that's fine. That's good. Uh, Conor McGregor. Moneymaker. Tony Ferguson. Crazy. Da Danny Button. Legend. Say it. Say it. And then last one, Corey McKenna. Beast. There we go. Um, all right, then, Danny, your goal, mate. And we've got uh, Lee Remedios. Lee oh, my goodness. Um, trash talker. He's just a trash talker. Trash talker. Um, George St. Pierre. Genius. Jake Paul. Cock. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Edson Barboza. <clears throat> Scary. And um, then the final one is Francis Ngannou. Oh, even more scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <The> absolute beast. <laughs> Bright, frightening. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Michael Chandler for you, but I didn't want to upset you after he lost last week. I thought you might start crying and stuff. So yeah, I was going to say letdown. <laughs> don't want to upset you. But, I um, wanted him to win. Yeah, Danny, Danny's got a bit of a man crush on Michael Chandler, you see. I don't know what it is, but there's something about Mr. Chandler which Danny likes, but I could eat. Uh, a little thing about Chandler, um, when I was out in Bellator, uh, mm. when I got talking with him, I got him to sign some gloves, because the, the Mernseys both love it, love Chandler as well. Um, you know, when you talk about fighters that have an influence, <clears throat> Tom Burns in particular really loves Chandler's style. Yeah. And um, I got him some gloves personally signed. Chandler for him, and I think he actually fought his work ethic as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you know, he's not a young man anymore. We, we're noticing that as soon as people sort of like hit to mid 30s to succeed at the very, very top, top level, when you think of someone like Ferguson, they're now sort of like dropping out. He's kept yeah. himself in physical, amazing shape. You, and that's a man that's clearly dedicated to his training. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Mate. I'm, um, I'd be very interested what Tony Ferguson does next. To be honest, because he should retire. 
Simple he should, really. but I don't think I don't think he's going to, mate. Um, mm. But we'll see. That's it's going to be yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, yeah, Steve. Last, uh, lastly, I just wanted to say um, sorry about the technical issues that we had uh, earlier on. We've kind of cobbled together about three different videos now, which will all be, it'll all result in a nice forty-five minute chat. But yeah, patchwork, yeah, I'm very good at that. I got to be because Danny's internet is not very good. It must be like a Northampton thing. I think they don't. They're still on, still on dial-up, still on dial-up. Um, but uh, very lastly, mate, what? Um, like, where do you want to be in three years' time? In 2024, where do you want to be? Oh, God. Um, in the perfect world. That three years, I'll be, I'll be pushing 37 by then. <laughs> um, take, take my career as, you know, gosh, what a, you know, just keep pushing that career. And obviously... Just get as uh, get as high as I can. I, I doubt I'll still be fighting at thirty seven. Um, okay. So I've either made it by then or I haven't. <laughs> so at, I'm thirty seven. I'd just like to, you know, just be happy with everything I've I've accomplished. Whether I am still fighting or I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, looking back and all those what ifs. Just I just want to be happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Happy with my yeah. family. Um, I've got another little another little baby on the way. So, you know, family life's starting to take over. And just as long as I'm happy and the family's happy and healthy, um, that's where I want my life to be in, in three years' time, just where I am now, but happier. Cannot fault you, mate. That's, uh, oh, I'll just say one thing, you know, just okay. to finish up on. Um, you know, when you're saying about that, you know, if you feel that when you have a loss, you've got such a big sort of like, crawl back to recognition sort of thing but i think sometimes that's a little bit of a perception and it's just what you feel and perceive it to be and indeed maybe cage warriors do treat people like that you've had a loss suddenly you're you're sort of out of contention quite quickly but you know on a personal note um you know you fought a a few of my lads i think you fought rick salivary he's now come over to us i've been training with him for the last sort of year and a half two years yeah um you obviously fought tom Mans, you fought um jordan and when we were talking about, you know, what Jordan's going to do next after winning his title and who we think he should fight next and who we think should have a fight off to get an opportunity to fight him, you know, your name was never out of that loop. Um, you know, you, you're, no, you're someone that, that, that the whole group, or certainly from our club perspective anyway, you're very, very highly touted and, and quite possibly out of the last three fights that Jordan's have and had, you were the one that posed more questions and evolved his game more than any of the others did. In fact, I don't think Jordan would have been able to beat Hughes if he hadn't experienced you beforehand because we had to put some wrongs right after experiencing being in there with you. So, you know, don't don't hold your head down by, by any stretch. Um, yeah, you're no, still absolutely it. relevant in terms of the fighters. Very, very well respected. And I'm sure we're going to see further success from yourselves. No, I appreciate that, Danny. Thank you, mate. Yeah, no worries, Steve. I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I got to say as well um I one last question for me mate I would like to know after you mentioned like you won't be fighting in 3 years time or you don't think you will be what about what would, is there anything that you'd like to do so not necessarily just coaching could you see yourself doing anything else within the sport uh, after you retire whether it's a bit of refereeing commentating 
anything like that which kind of you think you'd like to try your hand at? I don't know. I, might, I think I would probably, if I was to carry on, more st- maybe steer towards the referee and sort of side. I've never really been a coacher sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've got the patience for it, to be honest. Um, but maybe a bit more towards the refereeing side because I'm still still getting in there sort of thing. You're still experiencing it. But who knows, you know, I might finish fighting and sort of fall in love with the coaching side. Um, but yeah, I would say more maybe towards the, the ref inside, ref inside of the game. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff, Steve. Been an absolute pleasure to have a chat to you, mate. No, and uh, you're welcome back anytime, mate. And obviously, well, we don't normally have this amount of technical issues, so I don't know quite what's <laughs> going on today. But uh, I appreciate your patience, mate. And uh, no, thank you, top man. See you soon. And uh, of course. Me and Danny are staying on now to talk uh, last night's UFC, a bit of Bellator, uh, a historic boxing event as well, uh, which took place last night with uh, an undisputed world champion from Britain, uh, Danny. First time ever, mate. That's uh, quite the achievement, right. isn't it? Cheers, uh, cheers Steve. Yeah, Steve, awesome. Cheers, buddy. Enjoy Stay in touch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, just totally did amazing. Um, it did do amazing. Um, I didn't watch the whole fight. What I did was I went through the highlights and um, and there was a lot of them. Mm. Um, both of them really took it to each other. I think stylistically, uh, Ramirez likes to take it and get in close and get tucked in. And Josh Taylor was really responding well. Um, it's that uppercut. It was just beautiful. beautiful. And the fact those opposite stances as well made it a really interesting contest. Um, but what an amazing feat and, and done so classily. You know, getting a knockdown as well. I thought it was all over um i really did at some points but yeah really 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 good to watch yeah it was a really enjoyable fight i thought ramirez looked you know he's a really epic uh almost like a stereotypical mexican fighter tough quick strong and and just will not stay down no i mean like i say i I thought it was over numerous times and then uh, ramirez comes straight back and started getting some successes of his own um, it was impressive performance on both parts, to be fair. Um, but Josh Taylor, wow, you know. Those left hands, mate, one that, that Josh Taylor was throwing were doing some real damage. Is the um, way he prepped it up. He just kept on getting it through the guard. Um, it's not easy to hit super clean when you're wearing those big boxing gloves, you know. But he's yeah. up in the guard, lovely. It was his decision making um, on the dime. You, you have to be quick thinking. You have to, you know, have preconceived sequences put into your game mm. so you know that's also hats off to you know who's coaching uh, as well because uh you could just see some things were just set off on, onto automatic mode he was just triggering and going and and making success of it very often in there um yeah i i, mean, I have been a huge fan of boxing over the years and did come away from it from many years through frustrations which i think a lot of people experience with boxing but when you see performances like that and being a, a UK performance as well um, was uh, really igniting my interest again. I actually really enjoyed watching it. Um, it's a fight that, because I watched the highlights, it's you know inspired me to actually go back and um, when I've got more relaxing time to digest and watch the, the full fight and enjoy it a little bit more full-heartedly. Yeah, 100%. Those shots, which he, he knocked him down twice and both times so clean, so quick, really yeah. good shots. But you mentioned the frustration with boxing. Um 
we've literally seen that this week whereby they announced Tyson Fury was finally fighting uh, Andy Joshua and literally like two days later there's uh, the WBO or whichever one it was uh, so there was a, an arbitration going on because uh, Deontay Wilder is the mandatory number one contender, even though he's lost technically to Tyson Fury twice. He drew one. Uh, and, and It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so they've it really ordered, is. Um, Tyson Fury has to fight um, Deontay Wilder. I think it was before September. So he's now fighting him on the 24th of July. And Joshua has been ordered to fight uh, Usk for his the WBO title. But it's just like... This is why people get so frustrated from boxing and then why people like me and you, yourself, have, we've kind of drifted away from it over the years because like, we'll watch the big fights and stuff like that, but as a weekly thing or a, a, a regular thing, you drift away from it because one thing which MMA does better than boxing, no matter if boxers get paid more and all, you know, they may do more pay-per-views or whatever, MMA pits the best versus the best. Absolutely. And I think it would be less complex to do a joint Bellator and UFC show than it would to get some of these fighters to fight each other. And yeah. that is a problem. Like, that's ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that Bellator and UFC are going to do a show, but I think that there's probably less hassle to organising that than there is to getting some of these fights on because there's so many people involved and companies involved and it's it's infuriating mate because everyone in the world wants to see Tyson Fury fight Anthony Joshua they yeah. want to fight each other just do it yeah like, so you know what's going to happen they're going to end up probably fighting each other when they're in their forties or something well, Tyson crazy Fury like that it's not just... young as it is is he I don't I'm not saying he's old but like he's not getting younger is he and no. this is the other issue, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Tyson Fury's 32, which, yeah, you know, it's not old, but it is in that, for fighting point of view, 32, 33 is almost like the start of the decline yeah. in, a lot, in a lot of fighters. Now, yeah. Tyson Fury is not a lot of fighters. He is, you know, he's one of the best ever. He's a phenomenal fighter, but he is also six foot seven or something stupid, whatever six it is. Six nine, I think he is, six nine. He's massive, Huge. isn't he? So I, that has an that has a an effect on your body over time because you're carrying so much weight around, so much height yep. around, the pressure on the back and the neck and the joint. Excuse me, the joints is um, like that does have an effect, and he's getting to that age where it will start to have an effect. Um, yeah, six foot nine. Jesus, he's a big boy. Yeah. But um, hopefully they just get a fight. And but the other problem is now they've made them do these fights. Like us, Joshua should beat us pretty comfortably. But mm. heavyweights, mate. We've seen with Joshua before got knocked out mm. by that Mexican Ruiz. Yeah. Like it can happen. Yeah. Deontay Wilder, on the other hand, is like I yes, Tyson Fury has knocked him out and he's outboxed him and they drew, which he should have won. Mm. I get that. But Deontay Wilder has got the power that he could knock Tyson Fury out. Yeah. And then yeah. you lose like Tyson you lose Fury that versus yep. Joshua's uh, not there then. It's doing nothing but harm in boxing. Yeah. 
just harms it. Straight yeah. Uh, yeah. On the British front, mate, uh, Bellator on Friday. The Brits did not have a enjoyable evening. No, they didn't. Um, I you know, one of the fights that I didn't see was Brett Johns. I didn't see that, unfortunately. Um, but I did see uh, Edwards, Fabian Edwards. He actually performed really, really well. But he was fighting a really, really tough wrestler. And um, I, I, you know, I was hearing in the commentary that, you know. Fabian really wanted to test himself up against a real hardcore wrestler, and yeah, he got what he wanted. And yeah, this 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 Vanderford, he's very very persistent. Um, the way he was getting Edwards down was really really clever. Um, mm. The thing with Edwards, he, he's got fantastic striking. He actually started a little quicker than he normally does. He's been criticised for starting slow, <clears throat> looking super sharp out in the open with his freestyle wrestling defence, but he quite often made mistakes with his footwork that ended up getting put with his back against the fence with the wrestler tucked underneath his um, belt line. And it was just pulling his feet away from the fence. And um, yeah, and, and, and then uh, Vanford being that he's such a good wrestler, started to figure out how to get at Fabian out in the open on the freestyle. He was going in on the knee and sort of like doubling and tripling up his, his entries once he made connection. Um, yeah, it was impressive what he did really because Fabian looked super sharp in really really good shape, um, always da- dangerous on the feet. He looked like he could could put the fight away at any time, but Vanderford, good wrestling. What can what can you say? You know he honed, he earned his victory well. He, he played it very very smart. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, and then you've obviously got Brett um, Johns uh, making his Bellator debut. It didn't go to plan. Um, to use uh, one of your terms, mate, he got. Russell screwed. Um, just bear with me a second. Sorry, Mint. That's right, buddy. Um, yeah, he got Russell screwed, Mint. Um, Sabaletto, I think his name was. Um, right. He looked. He was making his debut as well. Uh, Actually, I thought he looked very good, um, Sibaletto. Brett just, he didn't look himself, i got to say. Um, like, when you think back to those last two fights he had in the UFC, Brett looked exceptional. Like, um, mm. that gravity fight was his first fight back, wasn't it, after a long yeah. layoff, and he looked so good. Um, mm. And he just didn't, didn't look himself. But, you know, there could be reasons, and... I think he'll go away, and he's not going to shy away from it. He'll come back, and he'll take on all comers. But what it does show is that Bellator, over the last eighteen months, have made they've strengthened their division. Because if you remember when me and you, when Brett first signed, months and months ago, we looked at that division and we were like, "Yeah, Brett Johns is better than a lot of these guys." But mm. then they've brought in a lot of new faces. Daniel Sabaletto yep. is one of them. And he did a good job of negating what Brett Johns is good at. Um, and that's what it's about, is having a game plan to defeat your opponent. Even if it's not the best to watch, it's about doing that. Uh, one person who did have a good evening, however, mate, was Leah McCourt. Uh, okay. Now, she is the real deal. Uh, I'm very interested to see what's next for her because she's uh, she's rank seven, rank play, uh, fighting rank six, 
she defeated Janai Hardin uh, via a triangle choke about two and a half minutes into the second round. Right. Um, but the end of the fight came about. Uh, Leah McCourt's on the floor. And you look, it looks as if she might be in a bit of trouble. And um, in the blink of an eye, uh, Hardin comes down as if she's going to go for some strikes and maybe try and get into the ground a pound. And she nails her with an up kick, flush on the chin. Oh, wow. She crumples to her knees and she just brings her into a nice, nice head triangle. And it's all wow. over. But, you know, she's ranked, Leah's ranked seven. Um, she's got some impressive wins on her record, some impressive finishes on her record. For me, she cannot be far off uh, those title fights, which, look, that's going to be interesting because I think Leah McCaw has won five now since her professional right. debut. So, uh, she lost on a professional debut and she's won five on the bounce. Um, she's going to be ranked at least six in that division. So for me, how you know maybe one more fight and then you could be looking at a, a title shot. I think it's fair. Right. That's fair. Like if she wins another fight, that'll be six on the bounce. Like yeah, I think impressive. a lot of them, a lot of them are. Uh, I'm going to double check, but I think a lot of those are finishes as well, if not all. So like you know, what more does she need to do? Really, is would be my question, um, but it'll be interesting, mate. Uh, we can't uh, we can't not mention the main event of Bellator on Friday. Miss uh, Cyborg was back. Yeah, about it. Yeah, Cyborg. Um, this was really good to watch, and you know, also, can, you know, Leslie Smith just did fantastic to stay in there because you know she was really attacked by a, a seasoned cyborg. And when I say seasoned, it's like she's learnt from her mistakes. She she still pushes a hard pace, but she she holds a little something back. She's being strategic. She's being thoughtful about the, the long haul of the fight. And I think that really served her well. But Leslie Smith, you know, she she stayed in there. She took some big body shots. She took some big leg kicks, some big punches to her face and um, some suplexes. She really had the whole spectrum of MMA put on to her. And she was so close to the finish line. She just got stopped with seconds left of that final fifth round. Um, but like I say, it was just utterly impressive, really, what she was able to withstand and put up with and still come forward. She had no fears at facing Cyborg in any of the realms the fight was put in. But uh, she just looked physically and able to compete with Cyborg. Cyborg's so, so explosive. I, I, I don't want to sound insulting by saying so manly, but she has such man movements about yeah, the no, way I she goes about mean. her technique. You know, um, She's very aggressive as well, um, yeah, which you yeah, sometimes but, don't associate with female fighters. Yeah, but. exactly. But you know, I think she's someone that always has a clean life. She's always training. I think this is a real lifestyle, which I think, is why you're still still seeing her be so super effective, her, uh, slowly seasoning age. You know she's no longer, you know, young anymore. She's in the twilight years, you would think, of her career, but shows no signs of slowing up. Okay, yeah. she's got that one knockout that went against her on a record against Nunes, against um, one of the greatest ever. By the way, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. 
Um, it's just a, just a shame that we quite possibly will never see that run passed again because I'd love to see that fight again. Yeah. And with the way Cyborg fought Leslie Smith this time around is definitely uh, a Cyborg that's adjusted her game to her previous experiences. And I I would put my money on Cyborg if she was to face Nunes a, a second time. But like I say, it's one of those things that I just don't think we'll, we'll see, unfortunately. Um, I know we talk about in MMA that you know the fights we want to see do get put on. But unfortunately, with the way things have gone, um, Cyborg was in UFC and now come out of UFC. Um, and it's not likely that Nunes would throw UFC in for Bellator. Mm. So, and the, um, on the flip side of that, it's not likely Cyborg's going to go back into UFC either. So, quite frustrating from her. For a, a UFC veteran for her next fight, though, she said she wants to fight Kat Zinganu. Um, she said that's a fight that she's always wanted. She's never. Yeah. Because um, Kat's, she's won, hasn't she? Um, I think one or yeah. two times in Bellator. Cyborg historically fights twice a year, basically, uh, yeah. or twice a calendar year. So I think that we may see Kat Singanu. And I tell you what, if I'm Liam McCourt, I'm thinking, right, you fight Kat Singanu, I'm going to go and win two more fights in that time, and then yeah. I want my title shot. She's yeah. got to be, yeah. like, and she's got to be aiming for that. And I think. If she can pull out the way Liam McCourt is going, if she can pull out two victories against, you know, the ranked three and fourth, whoever mm. they may be, because Bellator's rankings are impossible to find out. Although they did say they were going to change that, so I'm going to go and have a quick look, um, and we'll see if we can actually get them. Um, but yeah, Liam McCourt made. I really think two fights if she can win. Oh, Bellator rankings, they've worked it, mate. Looks like they've, wow. worked, they've actually got them sorted. <laughs> so, women's featherweights. So, we've got Chris Cyborg, champion, defeated Leslie Smith last night. Then you've got Julia Budd, uh, Arlene Blenklau, uh, second, Kat Zingano, third, Leslie Smith, fourth, Sinead Kavanagh, uh, five, and then Janae Hardin, and then Liam McCourt. So, I put to you this, mate. Liam McCourt's going to be up to at least six because she beat Janai Hardin. So then you're going to have uh, Liam McCourt of Northern Ireland, six. Sinead Kavanagh of Republic of Ireland, five. Uh, Both on a fairly decent winning streak. Would you Mm. pit them against each other or would you look to pit, say, Sinead versus Blen Clow's rank two and, and put... Liam McCourt versus a, a Leslie Smith. So yeah, like, Liam McCourt was the first woman to ever ha- uh, headline a Bellator Europe card, by the way. She, her right. last fight was done, she headlined Bellator show. So right, that's excellent. They've obviously mm. got plans for her. Sure. And I look at those two ladies in Kavanagh and McCourt, and I want to see them fighting Leslie Smith, Kat Zingano, yeah. Julia Budd. Chris Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. I want those fights for those girls because yeah. they deserve those fights. Yeah, so that Julia Butts, that, that, isn't she that really highly touted striker? She's yeah, got a big striking background. Very tall, I think. That's right. Um, against, uh, yeah, eight. I think she, she's she's going to be a handful for any of those girls in that division. Yeah, so she's, um, she's been very up and down, though, traditionally through her career in terms of... Mm-hmm. Um, performance like and and results i think right. is probably the fairer way to say it mm-hmm. um obviously she lost to cyborg cyborg is 
going to beat most women, I think. But mm-hmm. someone's going to beat her at the end of the day. Someone will, before Cyborg retires, in my opinion, someone else will beat her. Yeah, so why shouldn't it be not, one of these Irish girls? Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, so I not one of these people who are just gonna retire willy nilly. I think, like I said, I think it's a lifestyle for her. Yeah, I think she loves she will, herself. She, she could well, yeah, she could well find it hard to step aside. But if you actually listen to Cyborg or read any interviews that she's done, she's a pretty switched on lady. You know, she's she's not you know the typical stereotype fighting thinker mm. and, you know she's actually very very intelligent as is for a lot of the fighters that are successful in the modern day they're, they they've got good iqs you know they're not stupid people and she conducts herself ever so well in interviews and she really knows what she's on so i wouldn't be surprised if she you know does put a plan um together on the way her career goes on when she steps aside but i don't think she's going to step aside while she's winning so, Chris Cyborg, Julia Budd, five for eight, both of them. Liam McCourt, five for eight. Jeez, they're all you know, pretty tall. tall so I'm just yeah. checking Sinead Kavanagh's um, height. I think she's a bit shorter, if I remember correctly. But I'll just double check. Obviously, she fights out of SBG uh, Island. She's five foot six, so only you know, a couple right. of inches. Um, mm. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating watching those two Irish girls go at it. Um, yes. Sinead Kavanagh did lose to um, Leslie Smith back at Bellator 224, but that's um, oh, quite a while ago, uh, mm. 2019. <clears throat> so she's come yeah. on, you know, she's won some fights since then. <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting, mate. I'm quite excited for that featherweight division in the Bellator. They've, yeah, they're getting it together they, there. Yeah, the 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 women's female uh, the female featherweight division they've built quite a division on the sly like right. quietly without letting us know they've um, <laughs> you know, they don't promote themselves enough mate in my opinion like people still don't even realise that they're on BBC and I find that mind blowing mm-hmm. because that's such a big deal for MMA and yeah they just don't promote they're not promoting it enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I would absolutely, if Liam McCourt or Sinead Kavanagh was to see this, I would absolutely love to get either girl on, both girls on, on the show to have a chat. Um, you should leave the sweet talking to me. I'll get them on. Oh, yeah, mate. It's okay. <laughs> but, but I would like to get more female fighters on. Obviously, we had Corey McKenna yeah, on. Um, she was I'd brilliant. Like to, she was really yeah. good. Um, and I would like to get some more female fighters on. Um, yeah, let's do that. And I'm not sure we've had an Irish. Uh, oh no, we had Reese McKees from Northern Ireland, didn't he? He was uh, our Irish contingent. Right, we've got loads of UFC to talk about, mate, from last night. Um, yeah. Very quickly, though, let's have a quick chat about last week's UFC because we didn't do a show. Um, yeah. We won't go fight by fight, mate. Just tell me some of the stuff which you enjoyed, which you didn't enjoy. and go Yeah, forward. yeah. Uh, well, uh, it was an amazing show, amazing event. Um, Ferguson performed as I thought he might, which was underperformed from our normal expectations. Um, but you can't take nothing away from Darius. Darius was impeccable, showed great striking, great wrestling, amazing ground control. Um, yeah, really happy for Darius. Darius is really, you know, making a big, big name for himself. Um, Matt Schnell uh, against uh, Bontorin, that was a really interesting um, fight. Um, you know, Bontorin come in on late notice as well. Um, and Matt Schnell is always very, very clinical with his striking. But 
contouring was was amazing. Very, very good with his striking. Great with his takedowns. Um, yeah, did, did 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 amazing. He really performed above any expectations, being that he took it on short notice. And I really rate that match now as well. Um, what have we got? Uh, Shikagan against Adura. Adura have done really, really well, but she just began to fade. Um, she looked really aggressive, really strong in the first round. Looked like she could really trouble Caitlin. But Caitlin's cardiff. She just keeps going and she plays so long. Um, she ended up literally just running away with the fight with, with pace and fitness, really. Um, it was really utterly impressive. Um, really enjoyed watching that. Uh, one of the performances that was really amazing for me, and he always performs really well, whether he wins or loses, is Edwin Barboza against uh, Shane Burgos. Um, I really rate Burgos, proper dangerous, um, you know, opponent for anybody. But Edson Barbosa was just so clinical with his striking. I mean, it was just amazing. He's got that spinning back kick. Um, you know, he's got the leg kick. He's got the crisp hands. Um, really, really impressive. Um, I was amazed that Shane Burgos took the amount of damage he did um, to his leg without showing real signs that it was overly bothering him. He did switch his stance occasionally, but switched back to his traditional stance that suited him with, with, with no further issues. But what a strange knockout, wasn't it? It's was like a delayed knockout. He got landed with a one-two yeah, and it paused and suddenly his eyes started rolling. Very, very unusual knockout. But, you know, from what I've read about that this can happen. Yeah. Uh, but hats off for Barbosa. I think since he's gone down a weight, he's just looked absolutely amazing. Really, <laughs> really, really impressive. Just looks right for him, doesn't it? The way it does, stuff. it does. And I tell um, you what, really doing Burgos well. can take some shots, mate. He can, can't he? Yeah. So I'm not writing Burgos off by any stretch. I think he's had two losses in a row. I think, um, but <laughs> not someone insane, you can write off very easily. Um, yeah, he took and, some big shots in this. Yeah, against, he did. Um, Barbosa. Um, shout out to Benil Derouche, by the way. It was just simply incredible, yeah. mate. He oh, is so good. Yeah, um, he is really, really impressive. And it's um, just one of those, mate, and it's just when you're that good, you're that good. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, another really interesting matchup, which is another standout, really. Um, you know, Ronaldo Jacare Sosa. Um, okay, so this guy in his in his forties now. Um, you know, probably a long time out of his prime, but always performs good. He always comes in shape. Um, was initially looking pretty good. I was really interested in the commentary saying how Munez um, <clears throat> would rate himself better on the ground in terms of MMA than. Um, Jacare and you can't really odds it with the way the fight ended um, got into a really unusual back position and as he was falling off the back noosed up the arm under the armpit a very very deep style of armbar and snaps Jacare's arm um, yeah. you hear it snap um, absolute horrific injury for Jacare at his age I think it's, that's two losses in a row now you know, you've got to wonder where he should be done I, I hope for his own legacy that he does step aside now um, but Andre Munez I mean he said he was better on the ground is and okay one on one on the ground probably not uh, as good but in terms of the and MMA you can't argue the point mate, wasn't it, yeah yeah largely that. largely but this is MMA it is a different sport of its own it creates more unusual situations in the ground exchanges because it's you know from standing to ground with strikes there's, there's different things that happen it was an unusual situation and the thing is with MMA there's so many ways to potentially lose and there's still so many sub variants of position exchanges and sequences 
that have never been done before still. And that was one such thing. It was a very unusual situation falling off the back like that where you catch the arm because the arm's posted down because there's people trying not to engage on the ground. They're trying to stay up and, and mm. not be put to the ground. And that's what De Souza was trying to do. He's trying to stop being put all the way to the floor. And so he had his arm posted down, which ignited this unique opportunity to get that deep thread through armbar that he got but horrific when it snapped like that uh, i mean yeah, i cringed cool. unbelievable so i really wish jacare all the best in in recovering from this but i think also for his health and for his legacy that he's created that he does retire now but you know it's just my opinion only um, um and yeah i just wanted to touch quickly on um tony ferguson um a very one-sided fight with benil darush um What's next, in your opinion, for Tony Ferguson? Man, I, I just retirement. I, I just think he should retire. He's done amazing things. Um, I think his body's been through so much with his knee surgeries. You know, it it doesn't look very good on his feet with his footwork. Um, his hands are therefore a little bit adrift, which has always been that case. You know, he's always pushed forward. He's always got good cardio. There's no two ways about it. He's always in shape. There's mm. no two ways about it. it he's not. Uh, afraid of being hit so he's willing to plow forward but you can't win like that at this level uh, because he's because his footwork's a little flat now because i think his knees have gone um it's making his arms wayward and he's having to really over move his head to slip it's shots almost like these big like windmill yeah shots yeah. at some points and i just yeah, uh, and i think it's to do with his knees and his body's just been through too much and you Such know, not being, not, not being in top tier mechanically and the fact that you've got to bring into the fact that he's, you know, really in his twilight years, it really is becoming a, a young man's sport. And everyone's got better. Everyone else around him has got better. Exactly. Like, when you look at the division uh, he's in. They have. They have. It's such a shame that he never got that opportunity to fight Khabib at his peak because I still yeah. believe that he could have at least given Khabib some questions when he was at his peak. He is not at his peak anymore. And I, no. like... You know, I just I would hate to see him continue and end yeah. up getting hurt because when I was watching the Benil Darouche fight and I was thinking about the previous couple of fights he's had, I couldn't help but think like this guy is not the same guy that he was previously. Like, Mm-mm. and if he goes in against someone who's a killer striker, like he could get really really hurt. Yeah, yeah. He's just not. His head movement is so slow. He was getting caught. Yeah, like exactly. Benil Derouche is not necessarily someone you'd associate with striking overly, but some of the strikes he hit were superb, sharp. Yeah, and they look. Yeah, I mean, I, I've dangerous. said to myself, he, you know, he he doesn't look caliber orientated with his striking. Let's just mm. say, um, he, he he's not coming from strict form. But the beauty of MMA is you don't have to be. And, and, you know, if you're using the strikes to clinch and, and stuff like that, you can break traditional form. Um, and he just makes it work. I mean, what, you can't argue against it. He gets results and he's moved up the ranks. He's fought bigger and bigger names and he keeps improving with that. Um, each time he fights someone of, of an increment improvement in level, he's improved himself that and some to mm-hmm. keep putting his uh, opponents away. This guy is really up there now. I mean, what what is he? He's got to be in the top three, three or two, isn't he? Now, yeah, surely, he surely, he's got about the um, so, amazing. 
I want to just move on to last night's UFC just because I'm a bit conscious of time, mate. Of course, um, yeah. I want to make mention. <laughs> I switched uh, switched on this morning, and um, it was the Ben Rothwell versus uh, Chris Barnett. Chris, yeah, on the um, on the prelims it was, and yeah. I switched it on, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ! I said, I was thinking, am I watching like? You uh, am I watching a YouTube fight? Like the difference in their height and yeah, and the, and the physique of Barnett for a second really threw me. Um, yeah. but it was actually quite an enjoyable fight. Like they both had a go, and Ben Rothwell's very much a character. But I tell you what, don't be deceived by Chris Barnett's physique or his like he's quite short, he's quite a big boy. Like he uh, nailed Rothwell with a couple of spin kicks to the ribs. Yes, he did. Very but, quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, he showed some agility at times, but his physicality ended up being his downfall. You yeah. know, he had no cardio tank to go through into anything of a later rounds. Um, and Rothwell's an absolute cardio machine. Yeah. Um, he's someone that just keeps plowing forward, a very, very difficult opponent for anybody, and no matter what your skill set is. Um very very difficult to deal with and yeah chris barnett just had no answers for him really he started becoming more and more gassed more and more swingy more and more clumsy um and and ben rothwell yeah he got him to the ground and it was a, a, a submission i think more to exhaustion it was about a clinical submission mm. it was just well, done for one of the things i like about ben rothwell is what he does he's got that incredible cardio but what he what he uses is punches and kicks to the ribs, mainly punches to the ribs, mm. to wear his opponents down. So you yeah. don't necessarily, like he hit a couple of big shots to the ribs. They weren't like those shots we've seen in recent weeks, which floored an opponent. Mm. But they were just gradually fatiguing Barnett more and more. Yeah. Just though taking a bit of his air with that jolt, and he hit some big shots. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you can be... Look, if you're going to be in the UFC and you're going to have that body type, you've got to be super, 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 super fit and not gas after a round. And mm. he looked gassed after a round, and I don't want to criticise him too much, but like he won round and he looked gone. Like he yeah, didn't have yeah. anything you, left. You, it was you, like you said, windmills and head down like this. Almost. Yeah, and that was That's his worrying, exhaustion, and, and and that was his lack of. Uh, lack of agility once you know he, he did a couple of those kicks that you talked about in the first round but once his heart rate was above a, a, a certain beats per minute it was never recovering back down and he become more and more exhausted and fatigued and Rothwell does that to people as well if you're not fit he's going to expose that fact and he got exposed on that night so yeah yeah Rothwell's very good as well um, he is uh, doing that um so we move on to the main card mate um, I haven't seen all of these fights, so I'm going to leave okay. a lot of it to you, but we'll talk about sure. it. Um, so first up, we had uh, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabossian. I was really looking forward to this fight. Yeah. I think yeah, Edmund, very, very good. I think um, Edmund Shabossian will be disappointed this morning. Yeah, because I, I think uh, when we were doing some predictions, you and, or wasn't it, uh, we was on there with uh, James Doolan. Yes. Yeah, and I think you both went for him, and I went for Ham Anson. Um, uh, Ham Anson's just such a, a, a cardio machine um, mm. and, and physical. He's not always the most beautiful technically, but um, he's, a, he's a handful. And it ended up look, just looking like he was just being too manly uh, for Edmund. 
um, ended up manhandling him in that wrestling. I think once he knew he could get him down and control affairs on the ground, he, he sort of knew the ingredients to, to get to the win and not to muck about with the striking too much. Edmund, when he was striking, looked really, really good, looked like he could really damage Hermanson. But Hermanson, he had the wrestling advantage and the physical advantage and really ground down on Edmund. Uh, Edmund was looking rather beat up and fatigued come the end of that third round. Um, it was a really good performance by Jack Amanson. Um, yeah, pretty impressed with him, to to be honest. Yeah, I had Shabassian win in the first round, and then... Um, yeah, he got found out a little bit Hermanson. in the wrestling, really. Yeah, I gave... I was in the second round, I was like... Nearly gave it to Shabassian, but mm. I think... I think it was close, the fight. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think they gave it as unanimous 29-27, whereas I actually had it as a draw as 28-28. Right. So that sh- I think that just shows how close it was. But it was a good yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, was, it was a good fight. But Hanson, he, he maintained his work rate throughout because he controlled yes. positions in the second and third round. And it, it made it... It made the judges' eyes cast upon his actions rather than Edmund's. So, yeah, well done to Jack Manson. Yes, indeed. Uh, next up was Richard's Richard Ricardo Ramos versus Bill Agio, uh, with Ramos picking up a unanimous decision: thirty twenty-seven, thirty twenty-seven, twenty-nine twenty-eight. What do you make of this one, mate? This is one yeah, that I didn't see. Yeah, this is really good. Um, you know, Ramos, uh, you know, showing some really good striking and takedowns with a, a bit of jiu-jitsu as well um, and you had Bill Ajiro was really to his kicks so he looked very taekwondo-y I don't know actually what, whether his background is taekwondo but looked very traditional um, but Ramos yeah, he, he was just doing really really well there was one point in the second round though that Ricardo and Ramos looked extremely gassed and I think uh, Bill could have really pressured and may, maybe made something of it to try and put the fight away Ramos was extremely gassed at one point but uh, because Allegio was fighting on the outside with his long kicks the work rate was not fast enough and he did go in with some hands don't get me wrong but because he was predominantly looking for those long range kicks that constant pace wasn't enough to um, put Ramos into such a deficit where he'd get exposed with that cardio that he seemed to be lacking in that second round got second wind in the third round and started really pressing it and yeah, yeah, Ramos kind of like got his way with with uh, Allegro in rounds for me um, one and three. Um, but just with that second round, having a few questions on his cardio, I don't know why he gassed out like that. Maybe mm-hmm. because he was doing such a mix of you know his punching, kicking, and wrestling. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe that was the case. But I was kind of surprised that he fatigued like that. I actually thought, oh my god, he could be done for here, especially with someone that's rangy with their strikes. You know, you get stuck on the outside. But he had such a wrestling advantage and didn't find it too hard in getting Bill down. So, yeah, uh, Ricardo Ramos, a good performance overall. Yeah, cool. Uh, next up was Norma Dumont versus defeating Felicia Spencer by a split decision, 30-27-28-29-29-28. What do you make of this performance? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it was a split decision. Um, I found that um, Dumont was just more explosive, yeah, I think and so. um, more active, just more visual. Um, yeah, Sp- Spencer just um, it was just it was just struggling with the explosivity. I think in in, in that sort of like close range, um, mm. you know, she certainly had her moments where she was doing good, 
but Dermont really impressed me with her explosivity. Uh, like I say, when she was getting wrestled into, she would explode off and, and go into her strikes um, really with big linkage of combinations. Um, and I felt like Spencer was just lacking a little bit of that. She just wasn't quite as explosive. Um, there wasn't really a lot else I can I can say about that, really. There was a tip for tatting a little bit. It's mm. just that, for me, Dermont was always a little bit more visual. I was just really surprised it was a split decision. Um, yeah, I thought Dermont picked up, did enough to pick up the victory. Yeah, I think I, had scored I, I, I think so. To her, so. Yeah, I, I mean, it, there, wasn't, there wasn't a million miles away from each other level-wise, but it was just that explosive visual part over Spencer that was just pouring gently onto... Uh, Dermont, but Dermont was the one that was exploding and looking more dangerous out of the pair, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yes, uh, split decision. So then we had Jared Van Der Ere defeating Justin Taffer by unanimous decision. 30 27, 30 27, 29 28. Yeah, Taffer, he needed to get in close. Mm. Um, he, he needed to get in close. And, and you, need, you need to work hard when you're giving away height. Um, etc. Um, like like he was, I, I felt like he I just didn't have the energy levels that we've seen him have in the past. I don't know whether he perhaps trained a little different this time around. I, I'm not too sure what, what the reasonings was. Um, but what I was really impressed with, um, Jared's cardio, his choice of strikes, um, his range. Um, so when I say talk about range. He was using his hands and his kicks and his knees all at the right time. He was mm. just making very, very nice choices. Um, okay, he got clobbered a couple of times by Taffer, which Taffer was really having to rely on heavily to try to get back into contention with this fight. Um, but Jared was really having none of it. Um, massively outstruck him on numbers, if you have a look at the numbers tally. Um, and that was because he had so many layers of the range covered. He had the hand range, the kick range, the knee range. He really just dominated it all looked really really impressive ended up with a nasty looking bleed on his head i'm not too sure if that was actually an open wound or a scuff i'm not too sure what what caused that whether perhaps a sneaky elbow got through didn't have time to look on any replays to look back on how he got cut um, but taffa's looked, looked better in the past though. yeah um bad. there was opposite stances as well but uh, just really really impressed me with his choice uh, of striking sequencing and it, it was really, really good. And it might be a case that Taffer didn't look himself because he couldn't look himself. You know, yeah, maybe it was that, that good. Give credit, whereas Jared yeah, of course. It, it might be a case that Jared just performed that well. But, yeah, um, someone else that, you know, he, he fought, fights a little bit like Ben Rothwell. You know, we're talking about Rothwell. Um, very, very similar in that he constant, just pressures you. He's always chucking something at you. He's no, no respite. There's no time to to think you just have to constantly react yeah you can't get yourself together and, and think about what your game plan is or how to yeah. adjust if you're going to fight Vandera you've got to be fit there's no two ways about that and, and and you've got to have something for each of the ranges that he's showing that he's very very proficient in um, I suspect he's, he's got very very good um, fight IQ um, because he never ever just did things because um, they, they look like well thought out sequences um, he just really had the measure of Taffer uh, strategically and tactically, really, really did. So, yeah, I've got to look forward to seeing his fights in the future. I think we could have someone there that could be making contendership in the next coming years. Mm. One, Danny Batten's one to watch. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. 
there's, there you go. Maybe that should be a new feature. Danny Batten's <laughs> on the edge. Um, next up was rank number four, Carla Esperosa, Esperaza, defeating rank number three, uh, Jan Zinnenen. I'm not sure I would pronounce her name right. Um, Z- uh, Zinnenen, something like that, yeah. Via TKO uh, strikes, uh, two minutes 58 into round two. Uh, big win for Carla Esperosa, Esperaza. Yeah, Carla had a game plan. And, and it worked. I don't think she should have been mincing around, wasting energy, striking with Jan. Jan's a very, very dangerous, very, very pressure-orientated fighter. Um, and Carla come in, t- took her down from the get-go and took the edge out of the striking whenever they did get back to the feet. Um, I do feel that, you know, she exposed Jan for a little bit of lacking of ability, not to work her ground necessarily, but to work her ground to get back up to the feet where she's, you know, I'd say he's more more likely to win against Carla. Um, she just didn't have the know-how how to scramble out. She didn't appear to even be going to the right type of things. Wasn't framing in the right way. Just was not doing the right things. Um, I think once Carla had success so early on in that first round, she knew to just keep going to the same thing to keep getting her down. There was a point as well where, if you have a look at the first takedown, it looked like Yan almost twisted and busted her leg it really no, went no. over awkward on the leg if you have a look back and um yeah, i had look back at it again but she didn't get injured from it but so close could have done look really really nasty carla was very very impressive um you know i i could argue that i was expecting yan to win this but carla performed um out of herself and you can you know thank the camp i'm sure as well for helping put not only the strategy in place but preparing her for the te- technical attributes to to nullify Yan's difficult and, and pressure striking. Yeah, I, um, I was really looking forward to this fight beforehand, and you're right, that was quite nasty on her knee. She could have done some yeah. serious damage to that. So, thankfully, looks like she didn't. But she had a... I think you're right, mate. Um, we've talked so much about um, like fight IQ and stuff like that. I really yep. believe <clears throat> that Asperaza had a fantastic game plan she stuck yep. to it she implemented it extremely well and what that meant yep. is Jan was caught off guard and before she knew it she, before she was able to adjust anything with hers it was pretty much over like she yep. lost the first round and then you know a couple of minutes into the second round it's gone um, yeah, yeah. and that's how quick the top level that's how quick is you know these fights are gone and you've whether it's a mistake or a um, an error or the other mm-hmm. person's just a bit more organised in those early moments the sure. fight can be over can't it and yeah that's why it's the top level I guess yeah so the main event of the evening mate was this a shock for you or not Rob Font ranked 3 defeated Cody Garbrandt ranked yeah four. yeah this was surprising um, yeah Co- Cody's main issue through through this fight ended up being static head he had good footwork but his head was just on the center line Mm -hmm. if you have a look at the way font was coming in striking he was always edging his head off center as he was striking forward um but in the very early first two rounds you could almost argue cody may well have picked up the wins on the first two it's possible because he was nailing the the takedowns but just weren't doing enough with them um i would have perhaps been pushed to give cody possibly the first round um, on the control, but he was getting landed on more by Font. And um, of course, as the rounds went on, 
the less Cody was able to actually succeed with those takedowns anymore and was just getting outstruck. Um, and it weren't with like, single strikes. These were actual combinations. There were sometimes Font was landing three at striking combinations. It was really looking like a difficult night for Cody. Um, Cody also looked a little bit down on his cardio, I, I suppose. He just didn't <clears> have <throat> the edge that Font had. Um, didn't look now, as fit it, as he normally did, I didn't. No, he didn't. Um, who knows what what that is? Maybe it's a case that just Font was just fitter, uh, and Cody was his typical fitness, and Font just outrun him there. But Cody began to fade and get hit more and more throughout the the rounds. And um, there were some times I was worried Font was going to actually put him away at some point, which we've seen can happen to Cody. You know, he's been knocked out before. Um, he was getting hit that frequent. I thought that that could be the case. And um, Font was really amazing though. Um, performed ever so well. His range with his hands was just on the money throughout. Okay, he got taken down a little bit, but he was doing such a good job um, underneath. I think he hit, also hit a, a, a weight. I think it was this one that he hit a weight sweep, or maybe a bit was in another match. You have to forgive. Um, but he was do, uh, being so awkward underneath. He was able to get back to his feet with no real consequence of ground a pound upon himself. So he really wasn't taking a lot out of him. And it was Cody trying to keep him down that seemed to be exasperating him uh, mm. more. And he just began to fade from round three onwards. It, it just didn't look like Cody could, could get, get back in, even though he did land a couple of shots uh, that could potentially have been consequential. But I think for the fact, like, fact that he had lack of energy and he was on the demise physically, he wasn't able to hurt Font with those shots that he did land upon him. Uh, Font was amazing. He really was impressive. I think, when Cody had successes in the first two rounds with some of those takedowns, I think he should replace those successes, obviously, because the work rate's high um, to continue to do takedowns over five rounds. I think from round three onwards, he should have been targeting that lead leg that he actually got good access with the uh, outside shin kick. Um, it looked like it troubled Font, but I think it went unnoticed by either the corner team or, or Cody or both. Um, they just didn't seem to pick up on it. But I think there was a weakness there on Font's shin, but it didn't get capitalised on. So I think there was a little strategical pla um, in-game planning error there. something they could have done there. Yeah, I think there was something they could have done to to put it back, but it was not recognised and it just looked horrible for Cody, really, from round three onwards. I just, I think I've got to say, I think Rob Rob Font is a killer. Um, he's a real good fighter. There's a reason he's ranked above Cody in the fights. It's just because of who Cody Garbrandt is, you almost just kind of people just, yeah. just assumed that he was the the favorite, and he would. I, you know, I did that. I yeah, I did that. Um, I thought Cody was going to have this, but yeah, Font Font was looking incredible. I've got to say, and he he's gone up in my estimation now. For sure, with that performance. Yeah, and no, I like you. He's got um, he's got every right to ask for a you know a title shot. At the end of yeah. the day, he's ranked three. He's just beaten Cody Garbrandt, who's a big name. Why yes. wouldn't he ask for a title shot? Exactly, he's in good position to do so. Absolutely, mate. Um, okay, so just to finish us off, mate, we'll get, have a quick look at next week's UFC because. Uh, been quite a long one this evening. First show back as well. Yeah. Um, so let's have a go and see. So we have uh, the main event next week, mate, is Rosenstruck versus Augusto Sakai. Who you got? Uh, uh, Rosenstruck was disappointing, I think, last time around, wasn't he? Um, I'm just trying to 
remember. Um, mm, I forget, mate. I can't remember how he did last time. Um, oh, do I go Rosenstruck? Uh, 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 he's a bad yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to go Rosenstruck. Let's go Rosenstruck. Yeah, he's a, he is a bad man. I think Sakai has got skills, but uh, Rosenstruck yeah. on his day is a he's a big boy, a bad boy. Um, yeah, I'd go Rosenstruck. Then you've got co-main event: Walt Harris versus Marcin Tibera. That is an interesting fight to me. I gotta say. I'm going to go with Walt Harris just because I like him and he's been through uh, a lot of stuff. But he's also a very, very I, well, good I, I'm, I'm going to go against Sean that one. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go against Sean. Tiberius. Yeah, he's, he's very good. Big fan of him. Um, the, uh, I think that's the only two fights, three fights. Um, and then we've got. Um, I just want to ask you about this one. You might not remember him because you. Memory's not always the best, mate, is it? No, With, it's uh, certainly fighter not. names, but Tana Bosa is fighting uh, Ila Latifi on the prelims, okay. um, and we watched. We've watched both of them. Latifi, um, they did very well. But more interestingly, mate, Alan Patrick is fighting at welterweight versus Mason Mason the Dragon Jones. Yeah, come on, Jones. Come on, Mason. So I'm looking forward mm. to that, mate. We'll get right stuck into that. Yeah, we will. We'll have a look at that in detail because yeah, like people look at it on paper. Oh, Mason lost his first fight, but like, he was. Um, they had a banger, didn't they? They just absolutely. They did. They, they both. They both. No matter how that result shots. went down. Yeah. No matter how that result went down, they they had a great great fight together and um it didn't damage mason jones career in any way i don't think absolutely not mate um it was concussion central it was yeah absolutely was yeah absolutely frightening um cool we'll be back next week probably with another guest i would imagine um to be announced to so keep an eye on the social media but um of course as ever you can send your questions in if you'd like and uh, recommend guests if you're friends with fighters or whatever and you you think they'd be make for good guests send them our way uh you can dm us on twitter instagram whatever or email us it's all good but uh, most importantly subscribe to youtube.com slash ace podcast nation click the bell for notifications follow the danny batten fight show at, at danny batten fs on instagram and twitter follow ace podcast nation spread the word about the uk's fastest growing podcast network and the Danny Batten fight show also follow Ace Podcast Nation the place uh, Ace Podcast Nation see again my words mixed up again away day apparel <laughs> away day apparel look if I do that it's got like weird things <laughs> had to use zoom because the Northampton internet uh, guys thank you for watching listening as ever long show tonight but we had some stuff to cover We'll be back to the usual time next week. But uh, Danny, is always a pleasure, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it's been good to get back to our good old routine. Indeed. Uh, we'll be back next week. See you later. Have a good yep. week. Be good. Don't go fighting in the streets.
Station. For news on latest guests and shows, watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash ace podcast nation. Podcast Network.